0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Ad Nerdium. I am your host, Patrick Salerno, and today we're going to do something a little different. Holidays are coming up, and with a couple of technical errors, I was not able to get a guest this week. Me and my co producer, Will Roach, Uh, ...decided that I should try something different. And we had talked about this idea of doing a solo episode. A deep dive, if you will. Taking one topic that maybe myself or Will or another guest speaker knows a lot about and just dives into it. So we thought there would be a great opportunity to test that today. And to kick that off, I'm going to be talking about one of my theses. I'm doing two for Washington College to graduate, one in philosophy and one in theater. And my philosophy thesis really ties to the theme of this podcast very well. Uh, It intersects nerdom, philosophy, a bit of anthropology in there, questions of ethics and morality, questions of truth, and so I thought it would be a great way for me to talk out this thesis with you guys and where I'm at with it now, Uh, and maybe if you guys like it I'll do a series of these every couple of months as I'm writing and editing and talk about where I'm at with my thesis right now and How that is related, or and how that has evolved and changed since previous episodes. The problem that I'm exploring is, uh, or the title of my thesis is the problem of free will and AI, as seen through the androids of Star Wars and Star Trek. Now you can't see it in writing, but for the the super nerds there, I have a parentheses around the "an" in androids, so it will work for both Star Wars and Star Trek. I have always been fascinated by the the questions of free will uh, and the stories that we've seen of AI and how intrinsically human that they've seemed. Uh, I first started academically studying free will, actually, when I studied abroad in Ireland. I had a course entitled Free Will and Human Nature, and that was a very great introduction to the problem, and it even included a seminar at the end that involved... AI because AI really throws a wrench into everything that goes on in the problem of free will. So, so far in my thesis I've got a rough outline, the introduction, and the overview of free will and AI. So the problem of free will has been around for thousands of years. It's not new to philosophy, it's seen in philosophy of mind, in axiology, ethics, morality, that question of ownership over actions. I would say right now I'm defining free freedom of the will most broadly as, or I should say, a freedom of the will existing when we are not restrained in making choices, and the choices we make do in fact stem from within ourselves. Now, the intricacies of this argument happen in that there are a multiple different ways of defining restraint, and philosophers and theorists have disagreed on what actually counts as a restraint, and what restraints don't interact with freedom of the will, and maybe just interact with surface freedom, and definitions in regards to what it means to stem from within ourselves, and how much actual spontaneity needs to happen within a choice for it to really be considered free. So let's start with restrictions or restraints. Let's say that you come to an intersection while you're driving somewhere. Now, there are a very limited number of possibilities before you, but most observers, most theorists would say, well, the choices presented to you, left, right, and straight, are valid choices. So while there is technically restraint you wouldn't say that it impacts your ability to choose or from for the ability of that choice to stem from within yourself let's say that there's a crossing guard in your path and they're directing you to go left or let's say that your friend in the car with you just decides to grab the wheel and turn it right in those situations, there are restraints. There is a physical restraint on your ability to choose. And in that situation, you would said, be said not to have the freedom to do so. Now, a restraint doesn't have to be that absolute as a friend just hightailing it to the right for you. Uh, an example that I can think of right now is waking up late. That might restrain or restrict what you're able to do, or how much you're able to do before leaving for school or work, without limiting any one given choice. For some, however, the presence of restraint is not enough, and they look solely to the origin of the decision. Was the choice, or the intent if there was restraint, yours? On a surface level, choices can be influenced and manipulated without our knowing my brother introduced me to this great book called nudge and in that book written by uh, richard thaler and cass sunstein they define a term called choice architect and these choice architects are responsible for the context in organizing the context around the choices one makes the example that they give is a school cafeteria And in this school cafeteria, a choice architect decides, hey, well, where does the milk go? Where are we putting the healthy foods? Where is the ice cream gonna go? And they set up the environment, the context, in which people make a choice uh, to try to influence a choice. Nudging, I believe, is defined by using the choice architecture to influence or nudge... (laughs) people to make choices for their own good, or for their betterment. Now, a nudge does not force you to make any one given choice, but it still influences and manipulates your choice without you knowing. And so in that way, the choice is not presented equally. And thus, your ability to really say the choice stemmed from you is in question. However, for some that- again, uh, (laughs) for some that doesn't go far enough though. In those situations, I like to turn to the Frankfurt cases. Dr. Harry Frankfurt, a philosopher, uh, a contemporary philosopher, uses the idea of uses a particular hypothetical to talk about uh, alternate possibilities. Basically, if you have the ability to choose otherwise or the alternate possibility is there, then you can said to have been have uh, some sense of freedom or free will the example he gives is there's a hypothetical in which a doctor inputs a device into the brain of one of his patients this patient and the doctor both have the same goal they both want the same person dead now this device remains dormant until the moment of action if the patient hesitates and at the moment of murder decides not to kill the man the doctor will press the button and flip a switch in the patient's head thus making him want to kill the man again and he kills the man the question asked with this piece is if the patient goes through with the action all the way without any hesitation can he have said to have had freedom in making that choice he had no other opportunity but he was not aware Again, similarly to the choice architect in The Nudge, the ability to make another choice was influenced. This case, it was influenced absolutely. But the choice, quote unquote, was still the patient's. Would the patient have had free will if the doctor pressed the button? Or, regardless of the choice, was the man's freedom limited or not? Now, the root of the choice question goes beyond any outside influence or control. The question of free will intersects with biology and the philosophy of the mind in asking, are the the choices we make fundamentally ours, or are they caused by some physical brain state and chemical reaction? There are some that argue that if our actions are causal, in that they are a series of chemical responses, Doubt is placed on whether choice is actually possible. Basically saying that if your choices can be linked to pure chemical reactions, and thus, in in a certain way, predicted, if someone had accurate knowledge of the preceding conditions, or how the neurons would fire and the chemicals would react, they could accurately predict every choice that you would make. And in that way... Your choices are not some spontaneous act of will, but just chemicals, purely predictable chemicals. And this is where ethics and moral responsibility come into play, in the idea that in most theories of ethics, your choice has to be your own and that in order to have some sort of sense of morality, there is an ought, a correct choice in a given situation that one should make in order to live a moral life. Virtue ethics from Aristotle, for example, is a golden mean between the lack or deficiency of a quality. Courage, for example, is at the excess of the vice brashness, and at its lacking or deficiency is cowardice. And in any given situation, a moral person, a virtuous person, makes the choice that is most in line with the virtue and farthest away from its opposites, the vices. Another example would be utilitarianism. They argue for a maxine of happiness, choosing the option that would lead to the most increase in a happiness or a pleasure, depending on the theory. To be moral, in these instances, is to choose to do the right thing. And since choice is the operative word here, free will comes into play. Now, the biggest question in free will is the the contrast between compatibilist theories and incompatibilist theories. Essentially wondering if there is a way to to predetermine actions, whether that is because of, let's say, an omnipotent being controlling what you do, or because of physical brain states. The most prominent example given is sort of a prime knower that... If you could create maybe some supercomputer that could accurately predict, based off of all the preceding actions in the universe, all the preceding actions in the universe, i.e. every action can be determined, predetermined, by preceding actions, can we still have free will? The compatibilists, i.e. compatibility, would say yes, that there is a compatibility between a predetermined world and free will. The incompatibilists differ and argue in a few different ways. You have your hard determinists, which claim that a predetermined world exists, and as a result of that freedom cannot the opposite view the libertarian viewpoint rejects the idea of determinism i.e the things are predetermined entirely and that man or thinking beings are intrinsically free now that's the primer of free will and uh, (laughs) i know that was a lot now in terms of ai the biggest question, and I'll, I will get into the so far, I should say, I get into the history of AI with Alan Turing, Charles Babbage, Ada Lovelace, and how their work and their theories set up the ideas of how we look at computers, how we look at thinking machines, quote-unquote, uh, where we are now with the technology and where it is going. Ultimately, I believe that a sufficiently advanced A.I. will one day come into place and that A.I. is going to be equally valid to us in moral standing. And this is where I would say science fiction can really help us understand what this problem is going to look like when we reach sufficient enough A.I. that are capable of, at least at the very minimum, Mimicking human reason and human thought And at the very most Genuinely having spontaneous Or if no spontaneous thought exists The equal kind of thought and reaction That we have And I go so far as to say That it doesn't matter if it is Equal in the same way That I think when you look at the stories that we love, sci-fi, and even some fantasy stories, I think a central lesson to them, and one that anyone who is going to look at this problem and study this problem should have in mind, is that it is never right to assume that because something is different, or operates differently, or thinks differently they are not worthy of our love, of our acceptance. And, you know, it might sound a little cheesy, (laughs) but now for me, the source of that idea that it doesn't have to be the same as us comes with some of the theories that different uh, thinkers in AI have posited. I mentioned Alan Turing because his idea of at what point can we say there is a quote unquote thinking machine is at a point of mimicry when a human observer would not be able to tell the difference between answers given to it by the machine and answers given to it by another human being. And I think that's a, a good place to start but I also think it's there is a, a danger in requiring sameness to grant something autonomy. And I didn't really get into it this time with the science fiction, nor did I really touch much about AI so far, and maybe both of those deserve their own episodes coming up if this is something you guys are interested in hearing more about, but in those situations, and they, in my mind, they serve as the most accurate and realistic case studies that we're going to get about AI until we have such an AI here, and we are getting close, like, don't get me wrong, um, AI are everywhere, they're winning chess tournaments, there's Sophia, who was built, uh, and that kind of talking robot head, <laughs> and AI technology is seen in the Mars rover, so it's, it's coming, and it's powerful, but we're not really at the point where we're discussing this idea of a generally intelligent ai that is one that has a sufficiently advanced system that is is able to tackle and input a wide variety of situations and not just be designed for a specific thing i.e chess i.e collecting samples on mars that it would be a general enough in its intelligence to operate in numerous capacities. And these definitions are very, very loose right now, I'm just kind of talking about things more broadly, and I'm going to be learning a lot more about each of these things as I continue to do my own research and develop my thesis. But where I'm at right now, and the idea that I am entering this project with, is that sufficiently advanced does not necessarily equal same or mimicable, you know, Uh, and (laughs) looking to, I think, the most famous AI in nerdum, probably, maybe, is Lieutenant Commander Data. And he most likely would not pass the Turing test, that idea of sameness because we would be able to recognize his quickness in responding to tough questions. Uh, For example, if you were to ask him a very difficult math problem, he could solve it in nanoseconds or milliseconds, depending on the issue. And that would basically suss him out as an imposter, so to speak. But there's so much value in what we see and what is presented through us in these stories of Lieutenant Commander Data that I would argue, and I'm go- oh, I would say (laughs) that I am going to argue, and of course pulling from other more legit philosophical theories and, you know, uh, scientific theories of AI, that a matching doesn't necessarily mean that they're not capable of having a generally intelligent enough system to them that we should respect their decisions as autonomous, as free, and grant them that moral standing. So that's where I'm at with all this. If you're interested in hearing the occasional updates. If you're interested in learning more about this and having me go through in detail more about my my thesis and where I'm going with all this, let us know. Uh you can obviously send us a message on Instagram or Twitter at pod You can send us an email at, at gmail.com. Uh, You can let the Radio Free George people know on their websites. Thank you again for giving this a listen and letting me explore this new type of uh, podcast. If you're interested in more of these in general, not just about my thesis, let us know. Maybe we can bring on some other guests to just do these 20-30 minute talks about what they're working on, about just one idea in nerdum, and just really digging in. So, thank you guys, and as always, this is Patrick, signing off.